Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hello there. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining me for episode 385 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on blog talk radio where you will also find a link to the super sassy all kinds of badassy gabriella herstic how many of you are fans of gabriella herstic i feel like there's quite a few of you out there so you're welcome you're welcome i did this for you <laughs> You might know Gabriella as the author of Inner Witch, A Modern Guide to the Ancient Craft. That book came out, I believe, last fall. You might know her as the High Priestess. She's been writing as the High Priestess for High Times Magazine lately. You might know her from the column that she's been writing for a long time now for Nylon Magazine, Ask a Witch. She writes a goddess column for Chakrubs. You might know her from Instagram. I think she's a fashion icon for sure and probably a thought leader for the next generation of witches. So that is why I wanted to have her on the show. And I hope that the name of this show gives you a good idea of what we're going to talk about. Sex, drugs, and witchcraft. So this might not be a show to listen to with your little kids. Use your discernment, okay? <laughs> and when I say drugs, I'm talking about cannabis. We're talking about cannabis. I just like I just thought it had a good ring to it, sex, drugs, and witchcraft. I know that a lot of people consider cannabis holy plant medicine, and I I just use that word to be cute. Although I do think, I have a lot of opinions about this. I could do 20 shows just talking about cannabis and the war on drugs. I think the war on drugs is actually a war on people because people have been using mind-altering substances maybe since the beginning of humans' existence. I was just talking recently on the show about how I believe, and I let me emphasize, I believe. I am not making political statements. I'm not saying these things are facts. This is just my personal belief. I believe that you can trace all our religions back to somebody getting high and having like a mystical experience and then coming back to the tribe and reporting it. Shamans used to do that. I even think that like what we do now with communion with just the little cracker wafers that, that you know that the the priest or the pastor puts on your tongue I think this is symbolic of getting high and that back in the day like the people high up in the church haha get it they were doing this shit <laughs> so that's what kind of episode this is going to be I think if you are a witch that's it. It's important to to recognize that there's a place for this kind of plant medicine in our community. It's here, whether you like it or not. People are doing it, whether you like it or not. 
I have had my own experiences with pot. I used to smoke pot. I don't smoke it anymore. I get very annoyed with people who say that it's not addicting and that it's all natural because it's a plant. I mean, if you're smoking anything day in and day out, of course you can get addicted to it. And of course that's not good for you. And so that's just a little personal (laughs) side that I want to throw in. I have a lot of feelings about it. I don't think people should be arrested for possession of of a plant or for choosing to alter their own consciousness. I'm really into this idea of sovereignty over your own mind and emotions and spirituality. I think it's highly suspect when a government wants to control what you do with your body in any capacity. I would much rather see laws in place that protect people from the crimes that may be drug related. If you hurt somebody when you're on drugs, of course, that's a crime. But I don't think that getting high alone in your room should matter to anybody, even if you're hurting yourself. Like that's punishment in and of itself. That's just let me let me get off my soapbox because this is really <laughs> not not where I meant to went to go with this. I also want to thank I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on that soapbox in a minute, but let me get down just for a minute to thank the very lovely people who support the podcast over on Patreon and two new people who just joined us over on Patreon, Mystica. Ooh, Mystica is so mystical. And my friend, Joey Morris, who's actually been a guest on the podcast here more than once. So thank you so much for supporting the podcast on Patreon and helping me get to my goal, like slowly but surely, inch by inch toward being able to pay my rent and my health insurance in full through that pay- through that platform in the name of of freedom (laughs) I'm going for freedom people so to get back this is not a soapbox I just find the whole cannabis industry very interesting I'm watching it carefully right now because I live in Los Angeles it's legal now in California but in Los Angeles people have been able to smoke weed if they had a medical uh, what is it a, a note from their doctor for years and years and years As long as I've lived in Los Angeles, which is 25 plus years now, it's it's always smelled like pot here, like at every party. (laughs) Sometimes when you go to the movies or a restaurant, it's just been a part of our culture forever, regardless of whether it was legal or not. I'm sad that the years that I did smoke pot, I spent so much time being paranoid about getting in trouble for it and feeling ashamed because I was a mother. I was like hiding it from my kid and trying to hide all traces of it from my home and my clothes and like you know I just I felt like a teenager as a grown woman trying to hide this and not that I would do that around my kid anyway just for personal reasons but I just it's interesting now that it's legal and I'm watching now the wellness industry really take hold of this. Now that they completely legalized it here for recreational purposes, we have shops that you can just walk into if you have a driver's license and buy anything you want. And there are companies, there's this one company called Bebo that blows my mind. They sell these beautiful tins. It's like peach brushed metal 
art deco style tins with built-in sigils. I really would love to have the guy that created this company on the show because I just can't believe how gorgeous it is. It's like the fanciest, coolest packaging that you might get from Sephora, but inside are pastilles, like these fruity mints that are, it's cannabis. It will get you high. It's THC. They have indica. They have sativa. They taste really good. And and what's really popular here is microdosing, like these edibles. And there's a, a shop here called MedMen, not Madmen, but MedMen. And they put out a seasonal magazine of like, this is a doctor. You know, like it says stoner, and then it'll cross out the word stoner, and it'll say doctor. And then it'll say stoner, and it crosses out the word stoner, and it'll say artist or whatever so they're really trying to destigmatize this idea of people professional people that are living productive lives who actually use cannabis in these interesting ways there are these two women i don't know if they're both moms but i know one is a mom they started a company called kikoko tea and again with the packaging it's so girly and beautiful it looks like something that you would buy in a really fancy tea shop or sephora again and they like hit it hard with the marketing and they would do these they still do but i remember like last year molly sims wrote a piece for Oprah Magazine, O Magazine did a piece uh, on high tea parties. And and Molly Sims got high as a journalist <laughs> at this tea party. And these women, they have these tea parties where they're getting high drinking cannabis-infused tea. It's just, it just blows my mind what has happened to this industry. If you're not interested in getting high, and I'm not saying you should be, I'm just saying this is happening right now. For those of you who don't live in a city less in like Los Angeles, who might be curious, I just thought I'd share a little bit of that with you. But I'm sure you've at least seen how CBD oil has, I mean, it's penetrating all these different markets. You can, you can buy it for your cats and dogs if they're having aches and pains or allergies. You can, you know, buy the gummies just online for your own pain management and again like i said it's making it its way into all these beauty products so it's it's fascinating knowing us human people we're gonna abuse the crap out of this plant and <laughs> there will well it'll be extinct or or we will hybridize it out of its potency or who knows the government will start regulating it in very strange ways or soaking it in roundup i don't know what's gonna happen but it's still a very interesting exciting time and because I knew I wanted to talk about this and I wanted to give you a thorough heads up before this conversation with Gabriella for those of you who are sensitive to this subject if you just don't want to hear it like I just wanted to throw this out there but also this is something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time so I gathered some quotes that I like from people who I'm a big Terrence McKenna fan for one thing. I don't know if I've ever told you that, but I love to listen to Terrence McKenna talk. <laughs> for some reason, this is a spring and a summertime thing for me. Like I tend to bust out Terrence McKenna in the spring and the summer when all my windows are open and I'm cleaning the house or I'm working in the kitchen or the garden. He's got the most quirky, weird voice and these really radical out there ideas he's no longer on the planet i don't agree with everything he said some of it's way 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 out there but it's always 
interesting. And also he just nails these deep truths often as well. So sprinkled throughout like these very out there radical ideas, he hits on a lot of things that feel very, very true to me. And I think they're very eye-opening. So I have, how many quotes do I have from him? One, two quotes from him. Uh, a quote from Graham Hancock, a quote from James Orak, and then and then we'll get on with the interview. I also want to say, we talk about sex, we talk about masturbation, and I, <laughs> I just want to be fully transparent for those of you who have kids that are listening, because I know some of you do, and I just, you know, if you don't mind them listening to that, that's cool, but if you do, now you know. It's on you, okay? Okay. <laughs> so... This idea of ha having sovereignty over your own consciousness, your own mind, having freedom over your own body and what you do with your own self as a sovereign soul, that is very interesting to me. And, and to me, like the war on drugs and people getting locked up for these kind of offenses really touches on that. And then also just kind of the messaging that those of us that grew up like in the 80s, for example, had around this stuff. I like these quotes I've gathered because I think they kind of bust through that a little bit. So here's one from James Oreck. And theogens, or psychedelics to be more historically correct, have now been recognized as the mother of our Western ecology and conservation movements, as well as the entire field of transpersonal psychology and our apparent desire to return to some firsthand spiritual and or mystical understanding of God, rather than blindly accepting traditional religious dogma without an experiential basis. So there's that. I think that people that are interested in new age psychologies, those of us who think of ourselves as hippie witches, <laughs> we may, some of us may have played around with entheogenic plants of all kinds, or at the very least, maybe a little marijuana every once in a while. And you can have these very spiritual experiences that you might not have otherwise and also it's really interesting see I could just talk about this forever and that's not the point of today's episode it's supposed to be an interview but also they're helping people die now by giving them psilocybin uh, mushrooms while they're on their deathbed dying of a terminal disease and it helps them have a more peaceful transition there's been a lot of experimentation with MDMA I'm sure you all know this I'm probably not saying anything new to you, but these are all things worth thinking about. I should have more guests on to explore this topic because I think it's really interesting, clearly. Um, Terrence McKenna, here's one from him. He said, if the words life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness don't include the right to experiment with your own consciousness, then the Declaration of Independence isn't worth the hemp it was written on succinct yes sir terrence <laughs> graham hancock another guy who has a lot of out there ideas but sometimes hits on some 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 truths that resonate with me he said i am convinced that the way forward for the human race is to recognize and protect the fundamental right 
of sovereignty over consciousness, to throw off the chains of our divisive religious heritage, to seek out forms of spirituality or no spirituality at all, if we so prefer, that are truly supportive of liberty and tolerance, to help the human spirit to grow rather than to wither, and to nurture our innate capacity for love and mutual respect. The old ways are broken and bankrupt, and new ways are struggling to be born. Each one of us, with our own talents and by our own choices, has a part to play in that process. Yes, peace, love. <laughs> Hippie shit. I love it. I love it. Okay, and then one more for Terrence McKenna, and then we will get on to the interview. The Dominator. Oh, this is this one is very intense but that's why i wanted to end with this one the dominator culture is increasingly more and more sophisticated in its perfection of subliminal mechanisms of control and i don't mean anything grandiose and paranoid i just mean that through press releases and sound bites and the enforced idiocy of television the drama of a dying world has been turned into a soap opera for most people and they don't understand that it's their story and that they will eat it in the final act if somewhere between here and the final act i.e your death they don't stand up on their hind legs and howl and it's not done through organizing it's not done through vanguard parties or cadres of intellectual elites. It's done through just walking away from all that, claiming your identity, claiming your vision, your being, your intuition, and then acting from that without regret, cleanly without regret. So without regret and without any further ado, here is the wonderfully witchy Gabriella Herstick. Hi, Gabriella. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Yay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you, you woman, <laughs> you are a lot to handle. All I was I, trying to do was set up this interview and sit here and like make sure my mic was okay. And you're already dropping the wisdom on me. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Let's start the interview before we get too far into this because you're, you're just full of the good stuff. Thanks. I've been uh, definitely musing on retrograde a lot this specific retrograde so yeah I have a lot to say about it <laughs> you do you do and we were talking about just being super frustrated <laughs> about yeah. it yeah and it's bringing out like a violent streak in me I have moments of just like flashes of anger and uh so I'm interested to see what what your take on that is yeah I definitely feel like this retrograde in general has just been like more intense than like literally any other retrograde I've ever experienced like flat out um I think it might be I, I don't know. I'm not, I want to preface this with like, although I know some basic shit about astrology, I'm not an astrologer, but I mean, it is Aries season. We just started the astrological new year. This is like a fiery time. And like this retrograde for me, at least kind of feels like, like fire that burns away what's no longer serving us and fortifies what does. And it's like very intense and we're clearing a lot of shit out. And because of that, like are having these moments of like anger or frustration that I think can be something that we transmute into like art or creativity or passion or something else. Cause in the end, I think this retrograde is going to make us a lot stronger, but 
it's tough. Definitely a fucking testing us, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I should also tell people who you are, but I feel like they all know. <clears throat> they all know. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Right? Shouldn't they? I feel like the witchy community at least knows who Gabriella Herstic is. She's the author of Inner Witch, A Modern Guide to the Ancient Craft. You have a a long... Can I ask... I don't know if this is condescending. Can I ask how old you are? I feel like 24-ish is what I heard you say once at some point. I just turned 25 in February, so yes. Wow. You know, one of my favorite things about you is you are just unapologetically ambitious and and Thank just you. fiery and, and making shit happen and I that's just one of my favorite things to see in a woman what does, Thank you. what does your age make you what generation is this I'm a millennial I'm like one of the I'm like the I think maybe millennials go to 95 and I was 94 so like I'm at the very end of the millennial generation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're the you're the tail end, the scorpion tail, like whoppa. Yeah, <laughs> I am, and I am very Scorpio, so like that is very literal. Oh, cool. Well, I did not know that. <laughs> I did. It's just interesting to me. I I lead a program called Queen, and I'm in my 40s, and I notice women of all ages sign up for that, but a lot of uh-huh. us are in our 30s and early 40s. And we're learning things that you all are just, like, coming out of high school with. I feel like, like, the younger generations, I look at some of you and I'm like, damn, like, so much queen energy. I would have loved to start my adulthood from that place. Do you feel like that is a quality that you have and that's what's thrust you sort of into this semi-witchy, I don't know what to call it, a spotlight as a thought leader in the witchy community, or do you feel like that's pretty across the board for your generation? I feel like this answer is definitely twofold. I feel like a lot of, I think because of the internet, we, we just are exposed to so much more information than anybody ever really has been. Like, we just have access to more knowledge, and a lot of us just, I think it's just like the Pluto and Scorpio generation, like, we just, like, are really interested in in learning. And on top of that, I think right now is a very specific time in history where a lot of us are being called to step into roles as healers or witches or light workers or magicians or whatever it is and are creating a shift in the way we exist. So I think that like on that end, that is definitely the generations to come are more attuned to that. And as far as me personally, I have, I think, so I'm a twin. My background, like my, I I grew up in the South. My dad's a rabbi. My mom is from the Jewish community in Mexico City. I'm a twin, like grew up in the Bible Belt as the rabbi's daughter and discovered witchcraft at 12 before my bat mitzvah. And just since I was really young, have known, I have at least felt different and realized at a very young age that I could either spend my whole life fighting it or just embrace it. And I, that, I think that kind of knowledge and the self-assurance is just something that, which it really is, I feel like magic kind of just, I went through this awakening at such a young age that I've just had to be sure of who I am. And I feel like, you know, I'm just, I signed up for this shit. So I think on one, like that is, you know, I've, I didn't expect to be writing about witchcraft the way I am. I always knew that I was going to be 
writing. I thought I was going to be a fashion editor and write for fashion magazine. And that's what I studied in college. And I just kind of started writing about fashion and witchcraft when I was around 19. And I, I mean, I've definitely, I have a lot of help. I would not be able to live in LA if I wasn't, you know, I'm I'm not financially independent. My parents, I'm on my parents' health insurance. Like my family helps me with stuff. I would not be able to do what I'm doing, you know, if I had to do this alone. And I'm definitely like, you know, I admit that I'm very, very grateful that I have help from my family, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really expect to be where I am, but I'm just fucking thankful for it every day. And it's such a privilege. And I think a, a lot of us because of social media and because of the internet are be, are kind of creating new ways to exist in the world and to like live and to exist in capitalism. And I don't know, that's my long and winding answer. Yeah. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. And, and bless you for saying that about money, because that's something I'm really interested in right now. I've like been openly sharing my own journey with money. I've been able to pay my bills since the, almost the day I started my business here online in 2012, but now I'm trying to like take it to the next level. So if, you know, if a $10,000 emergency happens, I have it right. (laughs) And living in LA is ridiculous. I live in LA too. And it's just so expensive. But I think people I don't know. There's, there used to be, this has definitely changed, but there used to be the shaming of the healers and the spiritual people and the witchy people for charging money for their services and their time. And then in addition to that, I think there's an illusion that if someone like you is writing for big magazines and you have a publishing deal and you have this rad online social media presence, you look like a total badass that. Thanks. Yeah. But I feel like that people get confused and think like, she must be a millionaire, like living high on the hog, you know? And and so you're really helping people by, by just being completely transparent that way. Thank you. Appreciate that so much. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's again, it's like a privilege. I'm aware of it. And I think it's, yeah, just like, I'm all about radical honesty, radical vulnerability, visibility, all that shit. And like, I mean, you know, something I realized recently, like I have to, I, you know, we all, especially women, I think we don't give ourselves enough fucking credit. And I have been writing for the past decade. I started a fashion blog when I was 14 with the goal of writing for magazines and using that as a platform. And I, you know, I have to remind myself that I have worked really fucking hard, but like I would probably, I would not be able to live in LA if I didn't have, if I was, you know, didn't have help from my family, I would probably be in like a smaller city, which is totally fine. And I'm definitely grateful I got to live in LA because it is, oh, California is just the best. But, um, you know, I think it's, I, in the, I had a full-time job for a long time and I've only recently been able to like not have to do that. And it's, you know, it's definitely, um, something I think a lot of people don't understand. Somebody tweeted that a New York times, like cover feature paid $300. So that tells you a lot about freelance life. It's not lucrative, right? Like writing is not lucrative. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's true. I also, I, you mentioned your parents and I'm so curious about this. I come Mm -hmm. from a Mennonite brethren background. Oh, wow. And I'm wow. a witch. And so wow. this is very personal to me when I hear that yeah. your father is a rabbi, your yeah. mother is from a Jewish community in Mexico, which blows my mind because I don't really think of like Jewish yeah. Mexicans. And and you grew, up in, you grew up in the Bible Belt. And it's just like a lot of 
different things like coming together. It is. It is. <laughs> but I'm it curious is. about what they think about like sex, drugs, and witchcraft. This whole image mm-hmm. that you have that's so exciting, I'm sure, to your fans. Thanks. Like, does it upset oh my your God. parents? <laughs> I love that description, sex, drugs, and witchcraft. I want that on a fucking shirt. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so my my, I have to preface this with saying that my dad is reform or reform rabbi, which is the most liberal branch of, or one of the most, the more liberal branches of Judaism. And his, my mom, like growing up, my parents didn't get it. They thought it was a phase, which I understand. And like, my mom wouldn't let me buy books with the word, witch in the title, which is funny, but like, they never like went through my stuff. They didn't throw anything out. My mom, her under, she did not understand she didn't get what it meant to be a witch because she comes from Mexico and brujería is like different and misunderstood still. My dad really just didn't want people thinking I was evil and a Satanist. He was worried more for my reputation. So that being said, now they're totally supportive and are really proud and come to all my events and show their, my stuff to all their friends. I really, I, I got really, really lucky as far as like sex and drugs. However, my parents know that I smoke weed. They know I like weed, like it's chill with them. We live in California. I have a medical card. It's legal here. It's illegal. It's an herb. I will, you know, and now I write about, I have a column with high times called the high priestess where I write about weed and cannabis and witchcraft. So they're like more understanding of that now. As far as sex, that's always just that I don't talk to them about that. My mom and my dad, honestly, like they were worried that the three things they were really worried for me about, about me were like one that like I was going to talk about witchcraft and like fuck up my reputation and my professional presence Two that I was like too sexual online and three that I swear and curse too much. And I've made all of these things, my brand. So they really like, can't say anything. And I just, I just, my parents are my parents, but I don't, they're not my friends. I don't talk to them about sex or drugs. I talk to them about witchcraft and life. They don't even have Instagram. They're older. They're like in their late mid to late sixties. They don't even really see that stuff. And I know they know about it, but like, I believe in healthy boundaries. And for me, you know, that's just, I don't, I have other outlets of talking about that stuff with, but they're really supportive. I'm really, really lucky. Like I have a really good relationship with my parents. They're in San Diego. And I, the older I get, the more thankful I am for having such a good relationship with them. Cause it's, you know, they've been all things considering they've been really supportive. My sister's a lesbian. My twin sister's a lesbian. Like they're totally, they're just like, I, I no complaints, man. That's awesome. I, I think I think you're really too a great example of not just the queen energy and then the financial the financial transparency, but also what makes you weird is what makes you wonderful. It's it that is your brand. Whether you're trying <gasps> to have whether you're trying to have an online business or not, even if you work in the corporate world, the things I think that people are try to hide and like water down about themselves, that's what makes you special. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like I'm I like one of a big part of my shadow that I realized recently is just jealousy and I I I was like, okay, I'm not like anybody else. Why would my path be like anybody else's? And also, I'm not going to be the best. I'm not going to be the prettiest. I'm not going to be the greatest. I'm not going to be the richest. But I am me, and nobody else is me. So I have to be so me that nobody else can be me, and then I'll have my own lane. And I just totally believe in leaning into who you are and making the effort to know who you are. And 
I realized recently that being boring is a choice. It doesn't take any money to know what you're interested in or what you like or what you believe in or who you are. I think it's such a worthy pursuit that I totally agree that your weirdness is what makes you wonderful. I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Weird must stay, which is weird must stay. I think, I actually, I think you're a beautiful woman, but also I think you have a very quirky, distinct look about you that you're, you're into glamour magic. You call yourself a fashion alchemist on your website, which I love. And I think I I'm thinking about people like Marilyn Monroe, Carl Lagerfeld, Dolly Mm -hmm. Parton, Andy Warhol. There are people who deliberately craft an image Mm -hmm. to get their, their thoughts and their ideas and their artistry and creativity out into the world. I would even argue that Albert Einstein did that. Yeah. And you clearly have crafted a look with intention. Is this something, do you feel like you landed on a look and you're sticking with it for life? Or is this something that is ongoing and evolving? So as far as my hairstyle goes... We should describe um, it for people that don't know. Yeah, yeah. I have I have the left side of my hair is shaved off. It's like this it's like a couple weeks, about a, a week and a half, two weeks of being shaved to the skin. And then the rest of my hair is about chin length and it's black and curly. So I have like a half shaved bob and I've had the side of it shaved. It's gotten more and more to actually being about half my head now, but I've had it shaved in some capacity for that past eight years. And it's been black for about five of them. And I've only ever covered up the shaved side once the day after I got it done because I had to go teach Sunday school and I didn't want my parents to talk to me about it because they're already (laughs) pissed off. And now they love it. Uh, And then I always wear, like, I usually 90, about, I wear lipstick almost every single day. Usually it's red or orange. And I'm just, I don't know. I have definitely have a very specific kind of look. But I I say that getting, going to the mall and getting the left side of my head shaved was, or at that point cut with scissors is my initiation into glamour magic. That for me was, I was junior in high school. I was 17 years old. And that was for me the catalyst of, exploring self-expression through fashion. And it really took me up until like a couple years ago to like really like like how I was dressing. And my style, like as far as fashion, is constantly evolving. There you could definitely like look at my stuff and see the thread. But it, you know, like I'm always changing my style is definitely reflective of that. But I would say in the past year and a half, two years, I'm like at a point where I'm like really happy with like my personal style where like, I feel like I knew that I was going to like having the side of my head shaved, but I didn't realize that it was going to become such a personal part of my identity. It's not like, you know, like this weird hairstyle is who I am. It's just like, it's like part of it. It's, it's just, a signature. It's a signature. Exactly. I feel like it just, I don't even shave it. I feel like it just kind of doesn't even grow now. Cause it's so normal for me to see, like I've been doing this twice a month, at least for the past eight years, you know, like it's a, it's a ritual, but I love it. I mean, again, being somebody being in fashion, just in general, having a signature look is just so powerful. Like, like you said, like thinking of Anna Winter's Bob or like Karl Lagerfeld's look the, or the glasses Grace with the ponytail, exactly with yeah. the white hair, like Grace Coddington's orange hair. Like it makes me feel beautiful and powerful it's some like doing it regularly is a really like a ritual for me of like self-care and self-empowerment so 
all of the things. Glamour magic. No, glamour magic is really one of the most potent forms of magic. I I talk about it often on here and there, but I mean, it's something you can witness in politics. I always think about Hillary Clinton in a white pantsuit, like when she's trying to portray a particular image or when people go to court, they try to dress either like extremely professional or look very innocent. And this is something that people can harness in their everyday lives and should. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you have a, a good glamour magic tip for someone who wants to get started? Absolutely. Well, first off, you're already doing it, whether you realize it or not, unless you like live in a nudist colony, because you're going to put clothing on every day. So like, even if you're not aware of the way this affects you, like, you know, it affects you on some level because everybody has an experience where they put something on that makes them feel powerful or beautiful or wealthy. And you feel different. Everybody has some kind of experience like that. But I feel like what I, with everything, I always am like, take a moment to like come back to the present and see where you are right now and ask yourself what you need. So before you put on your clothes for the day, if you're, I always recommend some kind of ritual. So whether you're going to meditate or pull a tarot card or close your eyes and hold a crystal, like do whatever you need to do to kind of ground and come into the moment, see how you're feeling, check, you know, like see what the sun and the moon are in. If you want, if you're into astrology, then close your eyes and see what you're feeling and ask yourself what you need that day or what power you need to harness or what energy you need to embody. And then you can either think of a color that you feel like corresponds with that. And you can research color magic or think of the the chakras, the energetic systems in the body and those colors. Uh, You can also just like go to your closet and see what you're drawn to, but taking the time to just see what you need and ask yourself how you feel and then how you can give that to yourself. So like, if you feel like you want to connect to embodying the energy of love, maybe wearing some pink or wearing some rose perfume or putting red lipstick on, if you want, you know, you have like a business meeting that day or or going to court, like maybe you're going to wear a suit or something that makes you really feel like you know, like queen of swords energy, like you can get anything done and you can work with talismans. I just really think it's about taking the time to be intentional and then thinking of how you can channel the energy through your wardrobe, through colors, through your makeup and scents and whatever adorns your body. Mm. I love that your perspective entirely was about how it impacts you. Because when I first learned about this, I loved fashion as a kid. I was a total nerd. I wanted to be a popular girl, like, going into junior high school. And so, at first, I was trying to work with, like, brand names and the cool uh-huh. clothes I saw in the magazines. But when I, I really made the switch is when I started trying to dress for men or the boys at school, I yeah. should say, like, getting really sexy. And it worked. It got me a lot of attention. It made me very paranoid (laughs) that people were like staring and it brought some strange attention to me. But it wasn't until I understood that glamour magic is about how it makes you feel. And it's about like invoking an energy within. It can be how you're dressed and how that impacts other people. That's a component of it. But more more powerful is how it impacts you. Exactly. You can even experiment like under your clothes. If you're very conservative, you know, like wearing some weird underwear. Yes. (laughs) Lingerie is so powerful. Like for part I mean, that's a big part of my personal glamour magic practice. And if if you're trying to tap into like the energy of like love or sexiness or power, like that is, yeah, that is such a good way to go. I love that, that kind of like 
you know, glamour is what lies beneath the veil or what lies, you know, something that lies beneath. And that's lingerie is literally the glamour of your outfit. So yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Comes from within, I think. And I, I've seen you incorporating lingerie, red lingerie comes to mind. Mm -hmm. When I think of you, I think of like (gasps) black, like rock and roll with red lingerie. Oh my God. I love that. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you for seeing me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a huge component to what you do is the visual component, which is so interesting because you're a writer. Yeah. Yeah. So you, did you get your start really your reputation at nylon? Cause I know you had a column there called ask a witch. Is that where it really started taking off for you as a writer? So my background is in, is in fashion writing. And I started writing for nylon broadly was my first place that I wrote. And then I, yeah, I started writing for nylon and, um, I actually still have my column with them. It's about every other month now. And I was writing for them. I was writing for the numinous and I was writing for, I honestly, I had so many internships, unpaid internships and was writing for like my school magazine and my own blog. So I was definitely like on a bunch of different places, but nylon was the first. They're definitely like one of like, they're like my most long term client, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was kind of like them and broadly are what my editor noticed who approached me to write my book. And then she's like, Hey, like, I love your columns for nylon and probably like we'd have you thought about writing a book on witchcraft. And I'd literally been thinking about that that morning. So I was like, okay, I guess it's time. So yeah, nylon is kind of the first, but I had, like I mentioned, I had a fashion blog. I've, I've had, I started, I started my fashion blog when I was a sophomore in in high school and had all the way through college and have always just like <laughs> been, you know, a vague exhibitionist, I guess, and like loved showing off my outfits and taking photos and portraits. So I'm, I'm a writer because I, if I didn't write, then I would spontaneously combust because I have so, so many thoughts going through my head all the time. But I'm also just, I like making things and I love using fashion as an art form that I get to live my life in. So the two have kind of come together in interesting ways as far as like the visual part of that goes. But yeah, nylon and my blog were like, or my blog leading to things that led to nylon, but nylon was kind of like my, my first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that must, nylon. that must be gratifying because you wanted to work in, in the fashion industry and in magazines and nylon is definitely in that world. Oh yeah. Nylon was like my favorite magazine growing up as like oh, a I teenager. It. So it was really, it's, it's really special to me. And that column is my, it's just so fun. I love it. It's really like, I really, I'm, th- I'm really thankful for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about inner witch then your yeah. the book that this all the led book. to inner witch, a modern guide to the ancient craft. Yes. So what is this? If I had never heard of this book before and you were, and you mm-hmm. were pitching me about why, why do I need this book? Gabriella? For me, when I was a baby, witch, there were like a lot of different pieces that I wanted to know that were not pieced together. And if they were pieced together, we're kind of steeped in Wicca specifically. So I wanted to create, I wrote this book with the intention of sharing in a way that was accessible for people that might not live in a place like LA or New York city. And that really empowered the reader to create a craft and a kind of magic that was specific to them. 
I don't like being told what to say. I don't like memorizing words. I, it is, you know, like that for me takes me out sometimes of the flow. And I really just wanted to give people the tools to make their own magic as well as trust in what feels right. So I included everything from astrology and tarot and crystals to the moon, working with the moon, working with the earth, working with the elementals, the holidays of the witch, what energy is, meditation, the aura, sex magic. There's a chapter on fashion and glamour magic. I knew that I wanted to include that. That was really important to me. And I also like really wanted it to write it for women that were like my age and that are living in a world where like we have the internet, we have Instagram and like we have more access to anything than ever before. And yeah, it was just an offering of love in that way. And from writing my column, I mean, I literally just, it's called ask a witch. I ask people ask me questions and I answer them. Like I already kind of had this idea of what people wanted to read or what people wanted to know. So it all unfolded rather organically in a lot of ways. And it's been one of the most intense and transformative and incredible things to experience and write and birth. Do you have another book on the way? Like, are you already thinking about it or is this a one and done kind of deal? Oh no, I'm literally like halfway through my next one and they'll be out in spring of 2020. Oh, cool. Are we, are we allowed to find out anything about it? Like what it's about or is it a secret? Um, No, it's not a secret. I mean, it's already, you know, the contracts are signed and stuff. God is blessed. I think as far as right now, the title is Bewitching the Elements. And it is on working with earth, air, fire, water, and spirit to find empowerment and embodiment and magic. So it talks about each of the elements and I give rituals and magic and meditation and talk about what they represent for us. I give, I talk about crystals to use. I talk about the tarot suit. There's tarot lit cards for every or tarot layout tarot spreads for every element and then um like goddesses to work with that represent each element and it's like uh a deepening of inner witch and also a different angle so in a way like it doesn't cover as much but it goes deeper into like the elements and um it's been a really amazing experience to write i'm really really excited about it do you have a specific element that you relate to personally? I'm, I, in a lot of ways I do. I, my whole chart is air and water. So I definitely feel that a lot because I barely have any earth and my only fire sign placement is like Lilith, which is not even a real, you know, like a major thing. So I love both of those elements and I definitely feel like the queen of swords and the queen of cups a lot, but I love fire. Like I, especially like in partners as somebody who like works a lot with like sex magic, like that is my muse. And actually I'm like literally about to start the fire chapter of my book this week. I'm literally right now wearing like red and orange and channeling Aries energy. So fire is definitely my muse and I definitely like have to, connect to earth energy intentionally, but I personally identify probably the most with air and then water second. Mm. It's interesting. Cause I would have guessed fire. I, to me, <gasps> I think like, like you have so much fire. That's what I was talking about at the beginning about truly like the thing I admire the most about you is your hustle and Thank self initiative and this like queen archetype. The queen of swords is my girl. I have to say yeah. I'm a total air sign and I love the queen of swords. Ooh, I get very, what are you? I'm a Libra. 
And oh, I get yes. very oh, defensive when people talk shit about the Queen of Swords or Athena. I know, I get, right? Like, I uh, get my back up about it. <laughs> they just, she's just, like, a bad bitch. She just, like, claims what she wants, and sometimes it hurts a little bit, but when it comes from a compassionate place, it's so necessary. Yeah, yeah. I think she wields the sword of truth. And people, yes. people don't like that. They don't want to hear the truth. No, I'm all about the truth. Also, I'm a Libra rising, so I feel that. Oh, cool. You also, the sex magic thing, I'm really curious about that. Well, I know you write a goddess column for Chat Rubs, which is a crystal company that makes, like, sex toys made out of crystals, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting that, that they have you writing a column for them. It's so of the times to me, just the whole thing, the crystals and, and the sex toys and then, you know, hiring this super cool, like, rock and roll witch to write a column oh, yeah. for you. <laughs> I, I know the founder, of Vanessa. We've known each other for years, and she's always been a big patron of my work, and I love chakras. I have one. I believe in their products. And, I mean, they're whole, they have a whole blog, and it's incredible. It's such good contact content. Vanessa comes from, um, she worked at the pleasure chest here in LA and like mm-hmm. is a musician. And I actually interviewed her for the numinous like years ago. And I, yeah, I pitched it. I just like sent her pitches and she liked the goddess column idea and it's been really amazing. And then I, I mean, yeah, again, since sex magic is such a part of my practice, you know, I talk about like a product for each goddess. It just kind of makes, makes sense. I could not be what I'm doing at any other time in history, period. So it's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, it's a really special time. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So can you tell people what sex magic is? Sure. So it's really just using sexual energy and harnessing that and sending it and directing it for a specific intention or purpose. So, you know, I'm coming from a place of... I like masturbating and I like sex and I'm really open about that. It can mean different things to different people, you know, like just like sex can. So this is just my, my definition. But for me, it's also using orgasms or like peak sexual energy to send to a purpose. The way that I do that is when I, I, I'll masturbate as a way to raise energy in a ritual setting. So like if I'm doing something like for the Aries, what are the Aries new moon is like next week. I'll probably like set an intention or do whatever magic I'm going to do. And then as a way to raise the energy, instead of like chanting or dancing or doing breath work, I'll masturbate and then I'll direct my energy into my attention. So you're pretty much turning sex or masturbation or raising sexual energy into a ritual or a spell. And I mean, I mean, I'm going to masturbate anyway. So it's just kind of like a fun way to do that. And like, you really like, don't even, you don't even have to do like a whole ritual. Like I've been in the shower and just like masturbate. I'm like, Oh, I want this thing to happen. Or like, I need to send energy to this and just like hold the intention in my head as, you know, like I climax or whatever. Sexual energy is life. Energy is it's cheap prana. It's all of that. Shit. It's creative like, energy. Exactly. It's source energy. So it's really just channeling that for an intention. And for me, that means, you know, using my orgasms, you don't have to necessarily even orgasm to send that energy towards your intention. But that's like the pretty much the TLDR version of sex Mm -hmm. magic. Yeah. Yeah. And people can go read your goddess column if they want to learn more. Yeah. My goddess column is more about working with specific deities and less about sex magic. But I write, I have a column for Ask a Witch it's on sex magic and you can just, it's on my website and you can Google Ask a Witch sex magic and I'm sure it'll come up and mm-hmm. See, I have to some me, stuff like, in my book. I'm ready to start pitching 
Gabriella Hurstick books because I'm definitely gonna name I'm definitely gonna name this interview sex drugs and witchcraft so yeah. we, we have to talk about all those things but doesn't the world need that book also at the same time I feel like they do thank you I love that well I have I I don't think I'm gonna stop writing books anytime soon and a memoir is down on the list down the line when I have a little bit more living under my sleeve for sure I don't think people that live outside of, like, major cities or places where pot is not legalized understand, like, the culture here. I lived here years before pot was legal, but Mm -hmm. everybody did it. Like, every spring. This is the time of year where spring in L.A. smells like jasmine, car exhaust, and marijuana. Like, if you go Ah! go on a walk. Maybe some honeysuckle, like a little bit of honeysuckle in there somewhere. That is so real. You'll just be walking, and you'll just have, like, a giant puff of weed smoke. You're like, honey, I'm home. It just, the name, I mean, I just going on a walk anywhere in LA you're just gonna (laughs) walk through these pockets of that like sweet marijuana smoke and um it's just such a thing here and now it's being integrated with the wellness industry yeah and I think you're really tapping into this because thank you yeah you're talking about it It, it's just I don't know you're like a lightning rod for all these things (gasps) that are happening right now oh my god that is a compliment I really appreciate that thank you for Thank you for that. Again with the fire magic, right? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, fire is definitely my muse. I was thinking like I feel like for like the I've only like dated slash seen fire signs like the past year and a half on almost two years honestly. So I guess that's what I'm. I guess that's how I channel that shit because I I wish I had more fire in my chart. I really I don't. I really don't. Oh, but I have it inside of there. me, so it's I appreciate there. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did see your High Times High Priestess blog yeah. that you did on Pisces and associating it with bongs because hello, yeah. water. <laughs> what is what is to you, like, how does, I mean, I could talk about this forever. I will refrain, <sighs> but I just want to get your take on marijuana as a plant. Yeah. And I know it's offensive to some people to say this, but this is just what it is right now, people. Like, marijuana and witchcraft are partnering for a lot of yeah. individuals, and so we need we need your take on that. Okay, absolutely. I'm glad you asked. I think this is, like, the first podcast I've talked about this, because the column's pretty new. It's been about two months since I've been doing it, so I'm excited to talk. I feel like, first off, cannabis, weed, marijuana, ganja, Mary Jane, it's such a loving healing herb. It's really like a medicinal plant. I just have a lot of reverence and respect for the medicine and the magic that it has. You know, from personally, like it does definitely help me with my anxiety. I really do use it for that, but I also really, most of the time, use it recreationally and just, I'm an Aquarius. I fucking like being stoned. I like what it feels like and like you know, as I've been deepening my spiritual practice and integrating cannabis into that, it's been a really incredible experience. I've had some of the most heart opening moments from, from this plant. And I think that who, okay. I mean, honestly, it's really unfortunate and sad, but like so many of us have been through assault and trauma and, you know, all this shit. And this plant really has the power to help us heal and to work through that. Not everybody, obviously, but I just think that there's so much wisdom and magic and power and 
beauty in the cannabis plant. I just think it's, you know, it's something that for me helps me open my senses and deepen my sense of intuition and channeling and also just like allows me to relax and slow down as somebody who doesn't ever relax or slow down. And I just think there's so much potential. And I mean, I definitely feel like there, it's like anything, right? It's the devil card in tarot. It's this idea of polarity of it's finding a balance. I get to points where I'm like, I smoke too much weed and then that's not good either. But like, it's finding the happy middle ground and working with it, I think is knowing what works for you being willing. I just feel like that's just like the thing with everything, but, um, there's I so think it's really ways, powerful. There's so many ways to work with that plant too, for people exactly. who don't want to get high. Like you could exactly. check out all these CBD products that are exactly. coming out on the market. And it's, I mean, it's changed people's lives. Yeah. And you can so do edibles. You can do without any THC. You can do it in your beauty products. I've honestly haven't experimented with CBD, but that's going to be my column probably in the next month or so. Mm. So that'll be, I'll be writing about that for sure. It's interesting um, that you said you, that earth is, is the element that you have the hardest time connecting with because to me, yeah, to me, she's like the gate, she's the gateway to the planet. And I think a lot about spiritual abuse and how Mm -hmm. we are, I mean, I'm a white woman. I think about white people going around the planet and separating people from their culture and from their yeah. go- and from their gods. And I think, well, what yeah. ma- what makes people do this? And yeah. I think it's because we were spiritually abused by our own people first to be able to go in and wipe out all wow. of all of this culture, yeah. right? And so it was really interesting to me when the hippies came up with pot because I feel like pot was something that connected a lot of. A lot of a lot of people, people, but also a lot of like these kids that grew up in this 1950s stepford mom kind of yeah. like, culture. It it connected them to the planet and like who we are as spiritual beings yeah. and gave us back our connection to the land that had been lost for so long. And oh, I love that. Yeah, it makes sense to me that witches would be embracing it because when I think about that that counter counterculture thing that was happening in the sixties. We have a similar thing happening right now. Right now. Absolutely. I mean, look at any time where there is like a radical political shift and you'll see the witch in some form, whether it's in a mall, whether it's as a hippie, whether as somebody who's into psychedelics and rock and roll and the occult, like even though it, it's just like, I totally think that they're so interconnected. I mean, magic, you're operating on, on, transcendental states really like you're really like operating on different wavelengths it's just it's drugs without the drugs and then you know there's a whole history of witchcraft and occultism and drugs and i'm not even gonna get into that but pot is a way for us to achieve different states of consciousness and pair that with intention and magic and just witchcraft being a way of honoring the earth first and foremost there's totally a connection there you know i love that mm-hmm yeah. So how how long have you been in Los Angeles? It'll be three years in August. Ow. I've been, yeah, I, I lived in the Valley until I was six and then moved to Buffalo, New York, and then moved to Atlanta where I grew up mm. and then came back after college. So I'm from here, but I grew up in the South and I'm back. Uh, I'm so glad I ran into you. You don't know that I ran into you, but at the Mitch Horowitz, uh, 
Philosophical Research Society presentation yeah. he was doing on Hermes Resurrected. I had been thinking about interviewing you for a while, and Aww. I walked by, and I was like, crap, there she is, and we're leaving, and he's still talking. <laughs> so I Aww. just, like, hit you up on Twitter, so yeah. thank you. But also, isn't L.A. one of the most amazing places to be oh. if you're a witch? It's literally, I... I literally wake up and think the universe that I get to live here. I, I, first off, I'm just glad to be out of the South and I, I love it. It's such an incredible and magical place. California is just so special and LA is just like, I love it. I'm really, my grandma, uh, my dad's parents were both from, was now Slovakia and they were constant, they're concentration camp survivors. And they moved here from Israel with my dad and his brother when they were kids and my grandma wrote a memoir in the memoir she describes california as eden on earth and i always think about that because it is it really is it's a very special state i'm i'm thankful to be here for sure yeah we put up with like crazy taxes and not you know having to hustle our asses off like double time to pay the rent yes but also we do it for a reason people I know, and I feel like there's such an emphasis here on, like, enjoying the beauty of everything. Like, people just, like, want to be outside and spending time under the sun, and I like it a lot. I don't know. I think that it's, like, hustle, but it feels different than a state like New York City where, like, you hustle, but, like, you don't even get—you get less bang for your buck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hippie hustle. It's, exactly. a hippie, it's a hippie witchy exactly. hustle, and we have amazing yeah. witch. We have amazing witch shops. Oh, the community here is so great. I love it. I'm yeah. It's definitely like a good place to be, a good place to visit, good place to be involved in all the things. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I want to make Yay. sure everyone can go find you, which of course yeah. they can because you're everywhere. But let's tell them like, <laughs> what's your website URL? Yeah, my website is my name, my first and last name. So it's Gabriella Herstick, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-A-H-E-R-S-T-I-K.com. And then I have Instagram and Twitter, which are both Gabby Herstick, G-A-B-Y-H-E-R-S-T-I-K. And I have links to both my books and my ritual guides and my articles on both of my Instagram and my Twitter and my website. And you're so prolific. You're just such a <gasps> you're such an entertaining person to follow because there's something oh, there's something you. new. Yeah, Dang. And, and it's such a I cohesive it's such a cohesive brand. I feel like your your fashion history like really comes through in your brand. So Thanks. It's, well, it's, it's all it's all me. So you yeah, know, I, I'm not I'm not showing everything online, but what I'm showing is very true to who I am. That's so. Awesome. Well, I have one I more that. I have one more question before I let you go. Okay, what's up? Okay, it's the question I ask at the end of all of these interviews. So what is your one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? I I think this is going to sound reductionary, but I feel like it's true, and it's know yourself. Because if you don't know yourself, you're not going to know what your kick-ass, the kick-ass life of your dreams is going to look like. Mm. And knowing in yourself and then believing in yourself and believing that you're worthy of following those desires. But that comes from... Yeah, that comes from taking the time to know who you are and to committing to knowing who you are and committing to yourself. Know thyself. Yeah. That's just like every, every, that should be every witch's maxim, I believe. Yeah. I'm down with it. Yeah, that's a perfect answer. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Much love, everybody. Peace. Yay. Woo.
that is that, my friends. And I have to tell you, this interview took so long to edit because we had a lot of weird residual noises that I did not know during the interview that they were going on, all these pops and clicks. So <laughs> I, I think you'll probably hear, you probably just heard some of that, but rest assured, I edited out most of it. And wasn't that fun? I, I think that was such a fun, fresh conversation. Something different for Hippie Witch. And since both Gabriella and I are LA women, and I have been posting here at the end of these episodes now, a little bit of rock and roll, I thought I would drag a song off a compilation CD that I myself produced back in the day. I can't remember what year, maybe 2006. It was called LA Woman Songbook One. And it featured, in my opinion, it was just my opinion, the 10 best indie female singer-songwriters in L.A. At the time, it was called Songbook One because I intended to do many of them. But once my own band got going and I got busy with that, I never ended up doing Songbook Two or Three or Four or any more. There's only Songbook One. (laughs) It was really cool, though, because I illustrated... The cover of the, this is back when we actually had CDs, if you can believe that. I have a whole bunch of them still in my closet. I got merch back from back in the day when I had my company, Koshi. And so I picked a song that to me just has a very LA spirit. It's super feminine. I love this woman's voice. Her name is Beth Thornley, and she has this very high, almost cartoon-like voice that I love. She's a fantastic singer, a great musician, an awesome songwriter. I think I'm going to hit her up to play some of her newer stuff on the show because it's been a minute. It's been a minute since L.A. Woman. (laughs) But for now, here is Beth Thornley with the song Arrogance. Enjoy. What's that lonely pain you feel, you ask with a surprise? Shocked a common question, crude suggestions should arise. Here's your chance, I romance to advance to the next square. But as I wait, then you inform me you're
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.